focus on Romans chapter 3, verse 21, but let's read verse 21 to verse 24 together. Let's do that now. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. To this, right, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. If I was to say to you, I've got good news and I've got bad news, what do you want to hear first? I wonder how many of you would choose the good news first, and I wonder how many of you would choose the bad news first. Just out of interest, who would choose the good news first? Put your hand up. And who would choose the bad news first? Okay, interesting. Well, those of you who would choose the bad news first, you very much got the same mindset as the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans. In chapters 1 to 3 of this letter, he sets out some very bad news. In fact, it's the worst possible news. It's the news that no one is righteous. In other words, no one is morally right. No one has a right standing before a holy God. And when the Apostle Paul says no one, he really means no one. Not Jews. Not these people who had had a special place in God's plan throughout history. And not Gentiles. In other words, non-Jewish people. Basically, although Jews and Gentiles were very different in many respects, they were alike under the power of sin. And Paul summarizes the situation that all of humanity is in in chapter 3 by saying, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then he says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Paul is delivering a damning verdict on all human beings. This is a bleak picture. This is a black picture. This is a picture of hopelessness, of helplessness, and of separation between God and humanity. There is no hope for human beings to be declared righteous. All of us are under God's judgment. All of us face God's wrath. At this point, there is no hope for anyone, no hope for you and me. Not even our good deeds can please God. We have no prospect of peace with God. This is the worst possible news. Well, if the first part of Romans that ends at chapter 3, verse 20 is complete darkness, the first words of our verse tonight are like a new dawn on the horizon that just gets brighter and brighter as the letter continues. Look at the first words of verse 21. But now. You know something good is coming when you read those two words. Those words alone are worth meditating on long and hard in view of all that has been said before them. If you look at verse 21 in your Bibles, there's only millimeters between it and verse 20, but in reality, they are light years apart. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This is not just a turning point in Romans. This is a turning point in the whole of history. 
This is a new dawn. There is somehow a way for people to be right with God. This is tremendous. This is good news. But what is this righteousness of God that we read about in verse 21? Well, the righteousness of God can mean a couple of different things, but in this verse, it's to do with God's saving righteousness, the action he took to save us through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' death, to use the language of Romans 3, atones for human sin. It makes amends for it so that humanity's broken relationship with God can be restored. What else can we say about this saving righteousness of God? Well, there's a couple of things. Firstly, we read that it's made known apart from the law. That's really just a shorthand way of saying apart from the works of the law. It's a throwback to verse 20. Verse 20 says, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. The point is the Bible never promises that righteousness could be achieved by obeying the law. Instead, as verse 20 points out, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. If we learn anything from the first section of Romans, it's that we can't save ourselves. We're completely helpless. Our unrighteousness, our wickedness is all-consuming. And that's why we need Jesus, the righteous one, the perfect one, the one who met all the demands of the law to stand in our place and die for our sins. The second thing that verse 21 tells us about this righteousness of God is that, is that the law and the prophets testified to it. Again, Paul is using shorthand here. The law and the prophets is just another way of talking about the whole of the Old Testament. What Paul is saying is that God's saving righteousness, the, the way he's going to save people is not a new notion. It's not just something that he's plucked out of the sky. The coming of a Messiah, a savior, a, a redeemer, a rescuer was something that the whole of the Old Testament was pointing towards. The sacrifices and the priests and the holy places where God's people would meet were all pointing towards a future reality. They were all pointing towards something that was still to come, something that was fulfilled in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're here tonight and this is all a bit new for you. You're wondering how you get in on this. How do you receive this right standing before God? Well, if you look at verse 22, it tells us, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. To have faith in Jesus is to put your trust in him. And if you want to know more about that, there'll be people here to pray with you at the end of the service. There'll be people in the door. There'll be people you can speak to sitting around you. Please, please do that and find out what uh, the righteousness of God means for you. So how does this verse help us pray? Well, there's a, a few things that we can say. I don't think we can read this verse as, as Christians and not just want to pray out of a sense of thankfulness to God. Thankfulness that God has sent Jesus, who fulfilled the law for us, who became sin for us, who, uh, be, uh, who gives us his righteousness. Thankfulness that as a result, God has solved our biggest problem, our separation from him. Thankful that we're in the privileged position of living after Jesus' coming. We know who it was that the law and the prophets were testifying about. We know who the suffering servant was, as we've been thinking about in Isaiah in our morning series. We know who he was. He was Jesus Christ. Secondly, this verse is a great reminder of who it is that we're coming to pray to. Remember the picture in the first few verses, in the first few chapters of Romans. Despair, helplessness, hopelessness, separation, a divide between a holy God and, holy, a holy God and unholy people. 
Yet in his kindness, God has done something about this. He has sought us and saved us. He's done what we couldn't do for ourselves. We have no grounds for boasting when we come before this holy God. It gives us the proper posture to come before God in humility and in awe and in reverence. Finally, this verse helps us in our prayers for other people. Um, I imagine, given that this is a, a prayer meeting, that the vast majority of you have experienced that but now shift of verse 21. You've gone from the darkness and hopelessness of separation from God to the new dawn of God's saving righteousness, and you now have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And if we've experienced that, we surely want it for other people too. There's many people in our city and in our families and within our friendship groups who have not experienced this transition, who continue to suppress the truth by their wickedness, as the Apostle Paul would say. This verse motivates us to plead with God in prayer for other people because it teaches us that people can't save themselves. They need to experience the saving righteousness of God in our lives. So let's remember these things as we come now to God in prayer.